0: Steve, do you want to kick us off and tell us a little bit about your passion and what it is that um, has you interested in in missions?
1: Yeah, one of the reasons we chose this theme, everything and nothing, uh, there's actually a a documentary on that. It's the discovery of uh, mankind's place in the universe and it has it starts with the largest thing that we have discovered and goes all the way down to the smallest thing And we thought that would be a really good theme for what we're talking about. Uh, And I'll kind of set that up with some of the stuff that uh, by telling some of my story. Uh, My childhood was kind of a challenge. I was born in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Not a lot of people in the United States can even claim that. Um, But shortly after my birth, about two years, my parents came to Christ. And then we uh, moved to Cody, Wyoming, and uh, Dad got a call to preach, and so in my growing up years, I have lived in Wyoming, Colorado, Idaho, Oregon, Alaska, Arizona. And then when I went to college, of course, I was in Arkansas at Harding University and then went to Memphis for undergraduate or for graduate and then ended up moving over to Guatemala. Um, And there was a lot of, of that younger part of my life that I kind of resented. It seemed like every time I got comfortable and created some friendships... We were in a new place and then it was, you know, you had to find your pecking order at the school and fight and do all of those different kinds of things and, and make those adjustments. And so there was part of me that kind of resented that. It really wasn't until college and a feeling of the fact that I had grown into a fascination for cultures and peoples and then I began to realize that maybe this was part of what God had done in spiritual formation for me to put me in a situation that when I went home to visit my parents they were in a different place and so I knew nobody there so I didn't have a home to go to and so I felt very comfortable in just settling wherever I was at and that became home for me. and then as I worked through what I was wanting to do or what I felt like God was calling me to do, I ended up with overseas missions. Um, And I remember I was at Harding Graduate School and halfway through my program and I was 27 and unmarried and I was thinking, do I want to do missions, not being married? And I remember sitting in a field and I was there and I said, okay, God, if you want me to be Paul, I'll be Paul, I'll do that we'll move someplace, and and I had gone several places. I'd been in Nepal, I'd been in India, I'd been in Switzerland, I'd been in Germany under uh, just internship programs and different things but there was something that made me uncomfortable with those, not that they themselves were bad but one of the things that made me uncomfortable was the focus was just on spiritual development, in other words, church planning and I thought The gospel's got to have something much larger than that. And so um, I I was more towards the fact that, yes, salvation is something for the future, and we need to prepare people for that future, but salvation is also something in the present, and that means we need to be involved in people's lives and serving them in ways that actually improves their life today and improves my life today. So I had a doctor come through um, Harding Graduate School and he said, we're starting a new work, it's a medical mission in Guatemala, and uh, would you like to be part of it? So I started uh, looking at it, went to Guatemala, saw it, and unlike all of those other places that I'd been, it was like, this is where I fit. And I can't tell you why, it was just a feeling. Well, at least it was a feeling while I was On that side of it, when I went to language school, there were times that I was going, why am I here (laughs) Uh, because of the fact that it was a a difficult time adjusting, learning a new language and learning a new culture. And then, of course, the irony of that was is uh, I got out of language school and walked into the offices of the clinics, Health Talents International, And uh, there was this really beautiful Latin girl that was sitting there managing the office. And uh, we started uh, having to work together because we were opening up a brand new clinic in the middle of nowhere. And it was uh, full moon, tropical skies, walking everywhere. And all of a sudden, we found out we were uh, in love together and from January to October we dated and got married and that was 37 years ago so it's it's interesting now looking back on it and seeing some of the just crazy stuff that kind of happened to us but now I look back and I can see God's hand in it and God's spirit working through all of that. Uh, And that has kept me energized and thinking about missions all the time. And it was, I guess the thing that I'm amazed about is how the small ripples of the decisions we make just keep growing. And I'll leave one more story that I think is pretty amazing. Some of you have heard it. About two years ago, the director for Health Talents was here visiting with us in our home, and that was my job for many years. Uh, was directing the program for Health Talents. At that time that I was doing it, I think we're seeing 22,000 patients and working with churches and helping them uh, reach into communities. Well, he said, you remember, and he gave her name, he said, you remember that little girl? And Magda and I go, yeah, we remember her. She was nine years old at the time. We were starting to have surgical clinics come down from the United States. And Magda had to train some Mayan women how to cook for Americans so that we didn't have surgeons getting sick for the time that they were serving the people. And so the one of the Mayan women that Magda selected had a nine-year-old daughter. And that nine-year-old daughter came and helped her mother. And she was chopping up carrots and different kinds of things in the, the kitchen helping her. And uh, he says, well, She is one of the medical doctors in our clinic now. The thing that amazes me about it is, is that certainly wasn't on our horizon. I mean, we were, you know, we were working on doing all of this other stuff, but it seemed like God was kind of just going around the other side and saying, yeah, but I'm doing something else there that you don't even know about. But I think the other thing that was amazing to me about that was is I don't think it had anything to do outside of maybe just God kind of pushing this nine-year-old daughter in there or this of this lady. But then I could think about all of the medical people that had gone down there, especially the women doctors and nurses and dentists that had gone down there. And somehow that went to this little girl and she said, I can do that. And what's amazing to me about that is, is you don't hear that from many Mayan women. I mean, we there's there's a level of justice, you know. The, the Mayans are oppressed. They've been oppressed for 500 years. But even below the Mayans, the men are kind of on top and the women are secondary. And now she's one of those who's doing this ministry. So it's always amazing to me to think about everything and nothing, how those little ripples that we cannot even see connect and allow us to do things or allow things to happen that God has been involved in and moving all along. Uh, And we've done that here at Otter Creek so many times. We've had people who were accountants and businessmen and things and I've always shoulder-tapped them, and I've said, I need your help in Guatemala, or we need your help in Made in the Streets because we're trying to prepare kids who grew up on the streets to find a vocation. And it was always amazing to me because these people would go, well, I've never done anything like that before. I don't know where my place is. My personal belief is, is I think God, if we're open to him, is always forming us and the passions that we have and the vocations that we have are kingdom things. We just need to embrace that and look where God is working. So that's kind of my story of how I got involved. I'm outside of one person in their office that here at Otter Creek. I work here part-time. I teach at Lipscomb Admissions. Outside of one person, Emma, uh, I have been here now for... 33 years, 34 years at Otter Creek most of the time overseas but but (laughs) at least here so uh, it's just amazing to me to see how God has brought so many different things together that I could have never predicted and how much of a blessing that has been both in my life and then hopefully in the way that I've been able to touch others here at Otter Creek and help them and point them towards ministry.
2: Steve, talk a little bit about your goal for the class
1: One of the things that I think is so fascinating to me about church, about a church community, is this idea of cultivating social imagination. Uh, It's the work of a community of believers who are disciples of Jesus to think about possibilities that go beyond what they've ever seen before. we should be a community of dreamers together. Now, I think a lot of that inspiration comes from incentives and kind of these little gentle breezes of the Holy Spirit that go through us and we might see a need or feel a need and then all of a sudden that becomes a passion and then it's something we engage in. But I love this idea of social imagination. What can we dream together? And what of that is an impulse of the Holy Spirit that moves us into a ministry that maybe somebody else has not even thought about? And so I think part of our work is this idea of social imagination, dreaming about things that have never happened before. Um, What's that quote from South Africa? Um, Mandela, I think, was the one who said it, something about the impossible is always impossible until somebody does it and uh, I, I wonder if that's not what God's trying to tell us about the church is we are to dream the impossible looking at what God has raised us to do what he has gifted us to do and then embrace that and that's social imagination for me yep.
0: absolutely
2: so we'll all share a piece of our goal for the class and um, I want to continue to elaborate on the title it's, uh, we, we tried to make it Big and cosmic, because um, because of the vastness of mission and ministry, and so many people that, in terms of uh, that I work with on on a weekly basis, uh, are kind of overwhelmed. You know, if you're if you're kind of a normal church going person, it can be overwhelming. There's so much need, and then Harvey hits, and then Irma hits. So even outside of Nashville, I mean, just look at Nashville, and there's so much need, and it can really be overwhelming if you start looking globally. And so the title does capture that uh, sentiment, just the vastness of what we're talking about. And here we are, these one tiny little speck on this tiny little speck of a planet trying to make a difference or do something meaningful. And so um, I want you to see this video. This is a famous, I think is the right word, um, quantum physicist. He's kind of talks on the popular level. It's really interesting kind of guy. Ignore the subtitles because he's talking in English here, but (laughs) really fascinating video.
0: Can you all feel
3: for me? Imagine that our sun is the size of just a single grain of sand. (coughs) Now, our sun is just one of a multitude of stars. It's surrounded by over 200 billion of them in our own Milky Way galaxy alone. Our sun is just a speck in the vast beach of stars. (coughs) But the Milky Way galaxy is in itself just one of a hundred billion galaxies scattered throughout the cosmos. It's been estimated that there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on all the beaches in all the world. Just think about that for a moment. The size and scale of the universe is awe-inspiring. But as a scientist, what I find so remarkable is that the human race has managed to deduce so much about what it looks like. Let me try and put this achievement into context. From our vantage point, living on a minuscule speck orbiting around this single grain of sand, we've managed to deduce the size and shape of all those beaches. To my mind, this is one of the human race's greatest accomplishments. And I'd like to tell you a story of how we did it.
2: Okay, so in, in, in one end, you have this vast sea of possibilities when, when it comes to mission and ministry and all the needs in this world. On the other side, you have, as I mentioned, sort of our finite nature. We're just a short, short life to live. And, um, and somewhere we step into kind of the middle of those two ends. Um, believing that we can make a difference, believing that our life has purpose, that God wants to do something with us. Uh, with all of its risk and all of its uncertainty, and uh, that's pretty fascinating to me. I think that's a really um, neat topic. That's a neat study for us to, to dive into. And so each of us wanted to share kind of how we became passionate about mission or ministry and a, and a goal for this class. And so um, I'll share just really briefly... I, Jenny and I were in campus ministry for 13 or 14 years. And so we walked with uh, hundreds of college students as they uh, entered that part of life where they're really figuring out who they are and what they're gonna study and who they're gonna be and kind of drawing all those circles for themselves. And, um, and I love to serve personally. And so we began serving. A lot of college students would, would come around me and we would serve lots of people. Lots of people in our city and on campus. And um, I think the most fascinating thing for me over those years, early years in ministry, was just watching their eyes open to the size of the world. Does that make sense? You know, they, their eyes, you know, they might have come from small town Tennessee or rural Alabama and, and sort of had, had grown up in a relatively controlled size space. And, um, and now they were seeing that not everybody was made like me, not everybody's like me. I didn't know this group or that group existed, and so we coordinated uh, groups to go all over the eastern seaboard um, on on what we call local mission trips, and then we were sending teams to Brazil and um, Hong Kong and Thailand, and we went to trips all over Mexico. Uh, Jenny and I met actually on a Mexico mission trip as students, so uh, we were going here and there, just sort of figuring out how we could serve, figuring out how God could use us. And I think it was in those days that I just developed a real passion for for mission and ministry. And I, lo- as I said, loved watching the aha moments of students as they kind of as their world grew, as their world just got a, a good bit bigger with each of those experiences. And that that was really inspiring. Um, I think of Exodus 33, where um, where Moses is he has this encounter with Yahweh it says uh, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock you remember the story when my glory passes by i'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until i have passed by then i will I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back but my face must not be seen and rob bell if you're familiar with rob bell does this really cool um, language study at this, at this verse and under, helps us to understand that the original language points to this notion that when, when the veil was removed and Moses could see, what he saw was where God just was, right? And so it's sort of the afterglow. It's not, it's not that God, Yahweh, was this bodily form per se, and that's how the writer describes it. But what what the rabbis understood was he passes and there's this glory kind of occurs and Moses gets to see this trail of of glory. And um, I think that that image is what I got to see in hundreds of college students. They would go and and they would be a part of this effort and this, this mission and this ministry. And they would come back and a little bit like Moses coming down from Mount Sinai, they would have this glow about them. And they would be so excited about what they just saw, what they just experienced, something they didn't know of earlier. And it shaped them. It changed them. They, of course, served and hopefully uh, encouraged and somehow helped um, the folks that we were visiting with. But that, that really um, stuck with me for years, and we loved helping people's vision grow. And so um, I would say my goal for this class is inspiring with transformation. Romans chapter 12 is a really uh, unique verse. And it says, Paul's urging his followers there in Rome, uh, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, you know? So kind of give yourself up, pour yourself out, serve others. Um, And and, and through that, he says, you know, you won't be conformed any longer to, to the world. You're gonna be very different. You're gonna be transformed. And your mind is gonna be renewed in that process. And he says one really interesting thing, he kind of ends there in verse 2 by saying, then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good and pleasing, perfect will. And so this transformation process occurs when we sort of orient our life around pouring ourselves out, when we orient our life around sacrifice and mission. And so I saw that. I, I really believe that that transformation occurs when we decide to give ourselves up and when we decide to live for other people. And I think that transformation is so enlightening. When we're in the midst of that transformation, it can be so enlightening that we are a step closer to those glimpses of Yahweh, those glimpses that help us understand what His will is. I had a really interesting conversation with a guy um, after the morning service, the early service, and um, he had just some great ideas about the circles that, that I just mentioned. You know, you have vocation and family and friends. And what we're going to be talking about in this class is not just about volunteering. It's not just about going over here and serving and creating another circle because that's a bit uh, taxing. You're already busy enough with your life, your family, and edu- education goals and career goals and all those things to draw another circle and to give more of yourself to things that you would love to be doing. I think what we're going to attempt to talk about is transformation that's going to occur in the circles you've already drawn. How do you become a missional person? How do you pour yourself out and sacrifice to others? How do you orient your life around God's mercies for you um, and sort of stay inside the circles that already exist? I think that's going to be something that we can emphasize in this class. So my goal is, is I want to help bring inspiration for you as you sort of identify the transformation that's occurring in your life and in in the lives of others around you, because I think as you see that transformation, it kind of reassures you that God's working in your life, that God wants to use you in this vast, intimidating sea of possibility that somehow you and and me and our nothingness can kind of bring transformation. That's great. Tell us about yours.
0: Thank you. Um, So I'll start with my goal. Uh, My goal for this class is to promote relentless inclusion. Um, And the reason that that is one of my goals is because I am uh, a woman that feels passionately about ministry. And so growing up, um, even though I felt this call and I felt this passion um, in my life, I was told, um, you know, subtly or not so subtly um, growing up that, that I had certain roles that I could do and certain roles that I couldn't do. Um, that were more more focused on my gender rather than my calling or my gifts that God had given me, um, and so kind of bucking against that system um, and talking to other people and finding out that um, that I think this is something that our church and our society has done to a lot of people, um, not not just women uh, but children. I think are told no, you have to have to wait, uh, you can't do that, or um, you know you're you're too old to do that anymore, uh, things like that. And so I think. Uh, For me, what I want you to get out of this class is no matter where you are in your life, if you are single, if you're married, if you have young kids, if you are empty nesters, um, if you are black, if you're white, if you are um, an immigrant, if you are um, U.S. born, no matter where you are, God wants to use you to serve his kingdom um, and he wants to use you just exactly as you are. Um, So for me, what I want to talk about is um, the Great Commission and the Great Compassion. Uh, So I think we've all heard the Great Commission. It's Matthew um, 28, um, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus has resurrected and he has come back to his disciples and, and shown himself to them. And this is his, his final commission to to them, this great commission, go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, and what he says is to teach these disciples all the things that Jesus had taught to them. Um, and I think that if we if we look into this, the good news of Jesus um, is life-changing. I think we can all attest to that. Um, it's life-changing and it's heart-changing, and it doesn't mean a thing to most people if you're just talking about it. Words and actions go hand in hand when we're talking about the gospel and when we're talking about Jesus. Um, You have to have both. So that leads us to the great compassion, um, which is Matthew 25. I think you'll all be familiar with this as well. Uh, So Matthew 25, 31 through 46, uh, or 34 through 46. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick and in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And those will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus taught us that being what being a disciple looks like. It's taking care of the hungry and the sick and the stranger and the imprisoned and the hurting. It's having compassion, but more it's doing something about it. It's not enough to just look and say, oh man, I feel sorry for that person. It's actually feeding the hungry and giving water to those that are thirsty. Jesus summed up all of the commandments as, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus taught His disciples when He walked with them and He lived with them and He ate with them and He patiently explained what it was that He was about. He showed them what it meant to love God. He taught them to pray. He discussed scripture with them and He also taught them how to love people. Jesus was the first to talk to the woman at the well when nobody else would have. He stood up for the woman who had committed a sin and was against those who were abusing power in order to prove a point against Jesus. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. He wept over the people of Jerusalem and he called his disciples to go and teach others how to be just like that. I believe that we've all been giving a longing in our hearts to love God and to love other people, but sometimes we let excuses drown out that longing. Fear of the unknown, insecurities about ourselves and our own abilities, pessimism maybe about how bad the world is and how little we can do about it. Maybe you catch yourself saying something like, I'm too old to do something like that, or I'm just a kid, what can I do? Or who's going to take me seriously as a woman in this position? But Scripture is full of people who are too young or too old or the wrong gender or the wrong ethnicity. God wants to use us all to further God's kingdom, regardless of where you are in life. My hope for this class is that you'll come out feeling empowered to make a difference. And I hope that through this class you can find some practical ways, like Dwayne talked about, to use the circles that you're already in, to use the, the callings in life that you're already excited about to further God's kingdom. And I want to leave you with a quote from Teresa of Avila, who was a 16th century Carmelite nun. She says, May today there be peace within. May you trust God that you are exactly where you are meant to be. May you not forget the infinite possibilities that are born of faith. May you use those gifts that you have received and pass on the love that has been given to you. May you be content knowing you are a child of God. Let this presence settle into your bones and allow your soul the freedom to sing, dance, praise, and love. It is there for each and every one of us.
2: your turn. Tell us what you care about. What do you think of mission and
0: ministry? What do you think of when you hear the word mission and ministry?
2: I'd love to hear some of your
0: reactions. Or perhaps what you were hoping to gain out of this class.
4: I just kind of wanted to see the whole spectrum you know I'm involved in a few things and right? just trying to figure out where I fit you know? so that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from and
2: what I want out of the to uh, class. yeah I think the exploration process itself is something we often maybe discount or breeze over um, we sort of as American culture I think we have sort of an end result kind of in mind but our culture is in the minority there. I think there's lots of cultures in the world where the journey itself is the point, and so I love the fact that um, we can hopefully stir up a journey for you. You know, it might just be the the finding. There's a lot of growth and joy and meaning in in the in the work to get there. What else? Other thoughts. Laura and I
4: are originally from Zimbabwe, okay. um, but we are American citizens now. We uh, started out at Falkner University in Montgomery, Alabama, where um, we've always been passionate of Zimbabwe missions, hmm. and we um, assisted with you know, taking some people back there, from church, uh, from the university as well, yeah. and then we moved on to Harvard and Christian. Uh, university uh, and the last year uh, that we were there was when we were planning another another visit, uh, and that's when we moved to to Lipscomb. Yeah, and so we we are still exploring uh, ways and means of, of
3: getting back there. Great, glad to have you. Other
2: thoughts. I'm
5: a retired school librarian. Um, so I'm kind of at that older end of the spectrum um, uh, I've had a lot of life changes in the last few years my husband decided to leave our marriage <clears throat> and so um, God is, has been working to just turn some of that into some lemonade and uh, uh, to enable me to, to think for myself of what I want to do and how I want to serve him. Um we raised two wonderful children, and that was pretty much our goal in life, and they went on lots of mission trips when they were with youth groups in Charlotte, North Carolina, so they began to have a world vision. Um, Both of them attended Harding, and um, just before I retired, um, about a year or so before I retired, my daughter and her husband decided that they were going to go to Africa to serve as missionaries full-time, So uh, when they went to language school in France I went ahead and resigned my position a few months early before I retired and went to France with them to watch the children while they went to language school full time. Um, And God throughout the course of that year and a half that they were there their plans changed. Their plans God changed their plans and he directed them in a little bit different direction. Um, But I am wanting to see how I can come alongside them in a way to help serve. them they're they're in North Africa now, and they are working. Um, they're going to have to learn Arabic, <laughs> um, <laughs> although Fran- the French is coming in very handy for them too at this point. But um, they are have seen. Um, they've been working with Missions Resource Network, uh, MRN, out of, mm-hmm. out of Dallas, and um, they're. So there, the, there's a big plan for the whole Mediterranean rim with converting Muslims people and, and people that are coming out of other countries, refugees and Muslims that are living right there. So they are very intent on that and I'm looking to see ways that I can serve and, and part of me coming to Nashville, my son is here. Uh, he, he and his wife live here. And so that was a big draw of course for me to be here and be with family um, but I also knew that this church was very mission-minded and very much involved in things even locally. And I know, I don't even know where to start, but I know you're the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so um, I, I'd love to work with some refugees. Yeah. And, and you know, like I said, I'm retired. I'm still kind of getting settled in my home, but I am going to have time. I, I have probably more time than money. Um, but. Would like to be involved in, in working with some refugees because I hope to be able to travel from time to time to visit my daughter, maybe to stay for a few months at a time. And I don't know that I'm going to be fluent in Arabic and really convert people, but I could help talk with people that are, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and women my age and that kind of thing. Those, those people are coming to the Lord too. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited about how God can use me. Yeah,
2: it's fantastic. That's Carol, great. Right. Yes. Yeah, great. Yeah, let's talk about. Immigrant Refugee Ministry here at Creek. Great, and love to have your help there. Yeah. Other thoughts? Can we talk about
4: North Africa for the rest of the time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, uh, we we we've done uh, we we some some of us are in the water water drilling business, and uh, we this church has done hun, now hundreds of wells with partners in, in North Africa. And I was telling Ginger just this morning our, our, our tradition is uh, we, we pride ourselves on being first century Christians right? and, and um, that, that for a long time was used to beat people over the head a little bit mm-hmm. but I think it's also, I think there's something to it as well because the premise is oh, when Christianity was new, maybe we ought to study what, what it was like when it was brand new Know, when it was fresh and people were just hearing it for the first time, what was going on? And in North Africa, there's a laboratory for that hmm. right now. You know, and and with the people coming to coming to Jesus and, and I don't I don't know what country uh, uh, your, your your daughter is in, but seeing there, being in meetings and and worshiping with people and studying with people. And sweating, it's warm there. (laughs) Um, Only in the Sahara, but you, you, it, it, it's new there. And so, uh, what I would like to get this class, and something I don't think we do a good job of, is uh, is the explaining to people that we have a lot to learn from missions. We have a lot to benefit. And some maybe that benefit is what, is, what does Christianity look like when it's new? Hmm. Um, because, I don't mean this to be total condemnation, but what I see where it's new doesn't look a lot like what we do here, right? Um, and, and can you get the elephant churches and the rabbit churches to coexist? Probably so, but we have a lot to learn from all these grass hut rabbit churches that are multiplying and and. And spreading out uh, in in these places where Christianity is new, and and I, I hope that we can convey to ourselves and to uh, other people that that the, the go ye into all the world isn't necessarily just for the world; it's for the us too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's
0: a great point.
2: Yeah, what's in there. Um, thank you all for being here. Uh, we have much to learn, and I hope you'll you'll be with us on this on this study. Invite somebody that you. No, maybe they were dissatisfied with their class today. You can say, "Hey, we found good one. <laughs> But thank y'all for being here. Hope to see you next week.